Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. The title of this morning's message um, is Fathers Are Appointed by God. Um, and uh, for the last, you know, two Sundays ago, you will recall uh, uh, that we celebrated Mother's Day and we endeavored to lift up the value uh, of mothers and to appreciate mums. Uh, then last Sunday we spoke about uh, the value of children and um, again reminded ourselves that children are a gift from God. Uh, today I would like to focus on men uh, and speak about fathers, but not just fathers only, but speak about men um, in, in general uh, and speak about uh, the value and the purpose uh, of men in our society, uh, in our nation. Uh, in, in, in our families and obviously also in the church. Um, and uh, so for that, uh, just before I read the first scripture, I'd also like to welcome our online audience and want to say welcome. We are thrilled that you managed to get on board with us this morning. Are you watching the live stream or you're watching this message on demand sometime uh, during the week? So welcome. All right. Uh, let me read from Psalm 127. Um, which has become, in many respects, our theme scripture for this little mini-series that we've kind of fallen into. Um, and uh, it says here in verse 3, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies at the gate. All right, so we have here a uh, passage of Scripture that uh, uh, we could, of course, turn to other Scriptures, and we will. Um, and uh, it's not hard to find uh, uh, Scripture passages that speak about men or women or children and so forth, but we've just uh, used that as our starting point. In fact, in my time of preparing for this message today, uh, I was kind of mindful that, uh, you know, we spoke about mums first because it happened to be Mother's Day, and then we, we spoke about children, and that's fine, and uh, now we're speaking about men, uh, and it's like last but not least, uh, we're speaking about men. Uh, this is not in any way planned or intended, uh, and I got to think to myself that uh, men typically don't mind being last. Uh, all right. Uh, in fact, for some things, men are first. Uh, they're the first ones to put up their hand when something needs to be done. But in overall, uh, real men don't mind being last. Uh, and I'll touch on some of that just a little bit later on. Um, so let me look at uh, a couple of those words, a couple of those phrases in that passage of Scripture here. Um, in, uh, in, in Psalm 127, uh, notice the phrase here. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Uh, arrows in the hand of a warrior. Uh, and uh, then it goes on to say, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man whose quiver uh, is, uh, you know, is full of them, full of children. Uh, and fathers, let me say, uh, your quiver is your home, your family, and your children are your arrows. Um, and you're a warrior. Um, and uh, I... Let me just point out that the word man here in that passage and the word warriors 
when we go back to the original text, uh, to the Hebrew, uh, those two words actually come from the same root word. Um, and uh, it speaks there about, uh, you know, out of Bible dictionaries, it talks about the mighty man or a man of strength. And it also uses the word chief. Um, all right, so man, uh, you're the chief. Okay. Um, and when it speaks there about the mighty man, uh, it also uses the term valiant man. All right, valiant. Uh, valiant is typically used uh, uh, of a man that is in battle, that is courageous. He's valiant. And that's kind of the, the thinking here. You know, it speaks there about, it emphasizes a man's strength or ability to fight. Okay? <laughs> and, uh, and that's a God-given thing. That's a good thing. All right, it speaks there, and again, this is just a phrase out of a Bible dictionary. It talks about the mighty hero who is very capable of defense or attack. All right, uh, I want you to stay with me. We're kind of building a platform, and then we're going somewhere, okay? In fact, I got to think for my, you know, to myself, like, you know, when I prepare these messages, uh, uh, you know, I spend perhaps a, a day or two to put things together, but I think about it all week long, uh, and, you know, I could be up, on the ladder doing something, but I'm, I'm in my message, uh, and I've been everywhere. In my mind, as I made it, I've been everywhere. So, uh, uh, <laughs> so as I, know, I know what's written on the page as we're, as we're headed out towards this message, but in the end, only God will know what he wants to draw out and what he wants to emphasize. But let me tell you this, men need encouragement. All right, and that's what today's message is all about. You know, some, 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 sometimes people look at a uh, and a man, you know, you're looking at a solid guy, a solid bloke that seems quite self-sufficient in himself and, uh, you know, independent or whatever comes to mind when you look at him. But let me tell you, underneath, uh, he's a big boy in a man's body and he still needs, and this is not in any way to diminish a man, but a man needs encouragement. He will function better when he gets encouraged. And a couple of weeks ago, we encouraged mothers. They will function better if we acknowledge and encourage them. And today, it's men's uh, uh, turn. And uh, so I'm, I'm endeavoring men to encourage you today uh, and for us all to get an understanding of uh, God's purpose uh, for men in, in the overall scheme of things uh, uh, and so forth. So it speaks there about the mighty heroes who are very capable of defense or attack. Um, and so uh, what I would like for you men to know is that God sees you as a mighty man. All right? That's God's image of you. That's, God, that's how God, when he looks at you, uh, no matter who you are, God sees you as a mighty man. God knows who he made you to be. Uh, God knows the potential uh, that is in you. Uh, he looks at you as a warrior, as a valiant man, uh, as a mighty man, as a courageous man. Now, sometimes the, the reality on the ground might be slightly different, but God still sees you as a valiant man. And uh, fathers, let me tell you that God has appointed you individually to defend your family. That's where your, your valiance comes in, your, your strength, um, your ability to fight um, and, um, and to defend. Uh, uh, you're called on by God to defend your family. And men, for us collectively as men in our society, men in our nation, we are collectively called upon by God to defend our nation. 
and I've sometimes said this uh, with, a, with a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek, if you like, but when I become prime minister, there will be no woman that will have to go out to fight a battle anywhere. It'll, it'll be the man that will be going out, all right? Now, of course, if there is a woman that's in the army, you know, help yourself. Don't let me mess up your career. Uh, but in my world, uh, when that gets better established, uh, it'll be the man, the blokes that will go out and fight uh, if need be, uh, and the women uh, will you know, take care of, of things that God has allocated to them. There is a warrior in every man, all right? Uh, there, is a, there is a valiant man inside every man. In some man, it needs to be toned down a bit, <laughs> and in other men, it needs to be encouraged and fostered a little bit. Uh, uh, how many of you got boys as sons, uh, whether that's you know, fathers or mothers, you got boys as sons. Uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, uh, like some some boys, it's like you've got to just okay. <laughs> you know, you you, you don't want to squash it and and sort of, as it were, you know, drive that warrior thing out of them. They need that to function in their God-given role and in their capacity, but it needs to be toned down uh, in some boys. And in some boys, it needs to be fostered and encouraged a little bit. You know, it's just got to think, uh, there's Esau and Jacob, uh, two sons of, uh, of Isaac. Um, and there's a whole story around that. We haven't got time to get into it. But the Bible tells us that Esau was a wild man. He was a hairy man. Uh, he was a man of the fields and of the forest. He was a hunter. And uh, Jacob was a bit of a mama's boy. Uh, and uh, again, you know, there's a whole story behind all of that. Uh, he was quite comfortable to be at home with mom. And, uh, and that's not in itself a bad thing. But as I say, in this instance, you know, sometimes for some boys, you've got to just encourage them, push them out there a little bit and then encourage them uh, uh, that their boyhood. And as I say, I am, as a person, I am completely against that whole unisex thing when it comes to children. I'm just absolutely against it. All right, because I know what the Bible says, uh, and that's now thrust upon us uh, as a society by various groups and by various individuals, by various isms, uh, uh, some of which I might touch on a little bit later on. So anyway, so uh, uh, there is a warrior in every man. But you know what? Our parenting efforts, and I know, I know I'm bouncing in and out of talking about men, talking about fathers, and then I touch on mothers and families and children. But you know, our parenting efforts uh, uh, should aim to turn our sons into gentlemen. Um, and a gentleman is a man of strength who has his strength under control. That's why it's called a gentleman. And of course, we haven't got time to, specify, to specifically talk about, you know, I guess, girls, other than to say that our parenting efforts where girls are concerned is we want to turn this young girl into a lady. All right. Uh, girls want to become ladies, and uh, men want to become gentlemen. Um, and there is very specific uh, aspects to that uh, um, and as I said, we haven't got time to drill down into the specifics, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, real manhood, when we're talking about manhood now, uh, real manhood, uh, and we could say biblical manhood, because there is such a thing, uh, it needs to be affirmed, and it needs to be preserved. There is that squ squishing out attempt to tone men down, and there is a, an attack against real manhood uh, in society today. So real manhood needs to be affirmed and preserved, 
It also needs to be modeled, and it needs to be taught. You know, in Scripture, the Bible specifies that in the body of Christ, in the church, that the older women teach the younger women. Um, and then, therefore, it would also mean that the older men model and teach the younger men uh, on how to be men. That's why we are praying and we are hoping that the older men are actually true and real men so that the younger man can look to them uh, and say, that's what I want to be like. I want to be like this man over here. Uh, all right. Uh, and so uh, the whole area of, uh, of uh, manhood being under attack, uh, as well as tr the traditional family uh, as we know it and as we or have known it or as we see it uh, in the Scripture, the traditional family with a father, a biological father, a mother who is the biological mother, and children who are the biological. Of course, things don't need to be restricted to that, uh, uh, quite obviously. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get, uh, you get children that, uh, that don't have biological parents anymore, or their biological parents are not capable of looking after them. So, you know, bring them into, into a, a family and so forth. But as I said, that whole traditional family is more important than what meets the eye. Um, and it's important for us to understand what that is without rejecting anybody else or without being condescending towards another configuration. Uh, uh, but as I say, we know what the ideal looks like and the best outcome uh, in terms of children uh, and the best outcome uh, in terms of, uh, of a society is when children are brought up uh, in, a, in an uh, arrangement uh, where there is a biological father and a biological mother uh, and they're married uh, in a lifelong relationship with each other and children see that modeled uh, uh, before them. That's kind of fleshed out. Uh, so many men have lost r confidence in their God-given role as men um, and also as, uh, as fathers, uh, kind of a little bit unsure of themselves. Um, and uh, whilst there is a need to, to train and to teach um, younger men on what it's really like to be a man, uh, and, and it should be done in a sense of instilling confidence uh, into uh, the men in our nation uh, in order to continue to be men and not to become unisex. All right. Uh, uh, unisex, you know, unisex clothing, where some type of clothing they say both a male and a female can wear. Uh, and that whole area of unisex trying to effeminate men and trying to masculine, it's not a good word, but you know, the women, it's like to make them all the same. That is not God's plan. All right, God's got very specific features that is placed inside of a man and inside of a woman, and uh, we should know what they are so they can be encouraged. Uh, and uh, so, <laughs> you know, as I say, men have lost confidence, and yet uh, God has appointed men to lead their families. Um, and, you know, a father, his God-given mandate is to guide, to guard, and to govern in the home. Guide, guard, and govern. Uh, we learned some of these things uh, when Ed Cole used to teach men on how to be real men and maximize manhood and other books like that that he's written. Uh, and that's what a man does. Uh, he guides, he guards, and he also governs in the home. A father, let me say this, a father uh, is the team leader in his family 
and together with his wife, who is his teammate, he leads his family together, together with. All right. I'm kind of mindful that there's all sorts of expressions where, you know, leadership is concerned. God's got a specific leadership in mind, uh, and that's called team leadership. All right. Now, uh, around here, around our church, uh, I am the senior minister. I know who I am. I'm comfortable in my role. Uh, and, uh, but you know what? Around here, in terms of leadership, we take a team approach. And there is not a decision that is made that does, does not get discussed uh, and then signed off, and then we're moving forward together. I don't arbitrarily make decisions and just do this, let's do that, and everything else. We take a team approach. And actually, uh, I haven't got time to get into this, but uh, you know, we just last Tuesday in our school over at one session, we talked about the Trinity. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's a team approach, uh, if I can use that expression. Uh, and in our families, we should also take a team approach. Um, so, um, you know, when things go wrong in a family, God says, Adam, where are you? We look at the Old Testament at the account of creation where God created Adam and Eve, put them into the Garden of Eden, commanded Adam to tend to it, keep it, uh, look after it, uh, given him a wife. And then when things went horribly wrong, when God came into the Garden, the first thing he said was, Adam, where are you? Uh, he's looking for the, for the bloke. He's looking for the man. Uh, and uh, let me say, God still says today, Adam, where are you? There is a tremendous responsibility uh, of leadership, um, and along with that responsibility and the privilege of leadership comes the accountability aspect. Um, and uh, God needs us to be accountable uh, to Him. He needs us to be accountable to one another. No man should be an island unto himself and to do his own thing. Uh, and I'll touch on that a little bit later on uh, in this message. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I want to bounce into that scripture now, uh, bring out just one facet of truth uh, that I feel is applicable uh, uh, in, in, in our uh, study here. Um, here is Paul the Apostle uh, writing a letter to the Corinthian church and addressing some of the men in the church, talking about some other men. Uh, and he says here in... Uh, in verse 12, it says, Concerning Apollos, your brother, or our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the, with the brethren or with the brothers. And it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. And then he says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that be done be done in love. Um, and so, as I said, Paul is speaking about, uh, earlier on, he's speaking about Timothy. That was a man, a minister. Then he speaks about Apollos, who is also a man. Then he speaks about some of the brothers that were going to travel uh, with Apollos uh, and so forth. And he's saying to these men, and he specifies men, he says, come on, man. He says, act like men and be strong. Sometimes you find the average man today and say to him, can you act like a man? He may not always be sure what that means, or he could come up with a wrong conclusion in his mind what that might look like. All right. Uh, he says, act like men and be strong. Um, 
And friends, if there is a need for us men to be strong today, uh, <laughs> the, the need for men to be strong has never been bigger than what it is today with everything that is going on today. Now, let me speak about a man's God-given qualities, uh, because we did uh, encapsulate in our title that men are or have been appointed by God. A man's God-given quality, amongst others, are his strength and his ability. Uh, or should I say his stability? Strength and stability. Um, you know, I remember when Ed Cole used to teach about men, uh, and he touched on various other things as we do in terms of the family, family dynamics and so forth. And he says, he says, pastors, he says, from women you get spirituality, but from men you get strength. Uh, and there's something about that uh, that we need to learn and understand and appreciate, that it's uh, very easy for, uh, for women to be spiritual or to be overtly spiritual that you don't always see uh, in every man. But it's easy for men to be strong and uh, to bring strength into a situation. I was thinking that, uh, uh, you know, for those of us that have mixed cement, <laughs> you know, like we might build something or we might do something and you know, we mix uh, cement and we mix concrete uh, and so forth. We got sand, we got cement uh, and we got uh, shingle there. You know, they tell us that the strength of concrete does not come from the cement it comes from the rocks uh, that are in the shingle. Uh, and sometimes you're looking at a family and you're looking at, or you're looking at a church or you're looking at, a, at an organization. When you've got men in there, there is a strength that comes with men, and that's a God-given thing. All right? And we need to recognize that and we need to applaud that. Uh, and uh, that's something that we can use to, uh, to encourage men. And a man's stability. All right? Uh, a man's stability. You know, in the Bible, I'm following the outline. In the Bible, uh, the woman is called the weaker vessel. Um, and uh, vessel there is referenced primarily to her physical body, but not restricted to that. All right? So uh, the Bible calls the woman the weaker vessel, with the man being considered the stronger vessel. And, of course, the scripture reference for that is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Um, We'll have a look at that very shortly. You know, a man is typically, and uh, the emphasis here is typically, not always, but typically, physically and emotionally stronger than his wife. Physically, that's well understood, but also emotionally. And here's the deal, and I'm not planning to get into that uh, to any uh, degree at all. But, you know, a man doesn't have a monthly cycle to deal with. So in terms of a woman's emotion uh, and everything, for, for the man, he... And a man is the same every day, all right? And there comes a stability with that that needs to be appreciated uh, and to not in any way suggesting that there's something wrong with the woman because God made her a woman. And, uh, you know, a woman is a woman uh, and, uh, and so forth. But a bloke, a man, uh, he brings a stability uh, into a situation where uh, unless he's a, a highly emotional creature, he's typically a very stable sort of a guy, what we call a stable bloke. Now, for those of you people that are watching online uh, from overseas, and when you hear the term bloke, uh, that's a New Zealand expression for a man. All right? That's what we mean, a fellow, a, a guy. All right? Um, so, um, so, 
Yet in God's design of a woman, she's not in any way inferior to a man. Not in any way, shape, or form. All right? Um, God has made a man's wife his equal and his co-heir together of the grace of life. Now, here's that scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It, it says, The same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of you advantages. We've just touched on a couple of those. All right. But in this new life of God's grace, you're equals. Everybody say, you're equals. All right. Not, not one the greater and the other one the lesser. You are equals. All right. Treat your wives then as equals so that your prayers don't run aground. So there is an, an aspect there where uh, God builds a slight warning into this scripture. He says, come on, guys. Make sure you honor your wife uh, and so forth. Recognize for who she is and so forth. Uh, though you may have some advantages of, uh, you know, a greater physical strength. Uh, in fact, I was just saw a picture the other day of a, a, a bloke that doesn't want to be a bloke. Uh, um, what exactly has gone on, I don't know, but we could, uh, we, could, we, we could talk about it if we had time and inclination. He's joined a woman's team uh, in some competition, physical competition, and cleaned it all up, and then he stood on the podium as the winner. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, that's just entirely wrong. There's just something inherently wrong about that that needs to be called for what it is. It's wrong, it's wrong, and it's wrong. All right. Now, of course, the man will, he doesn't want to be a man. He will need help, uh, uh, but so forth. But don't compete with women when you're physically stronger. Uh, it's just not right. Okay. Um, so, husbands, don't allow yourself to reinterpret your wife's God-given role next to you as your equal. Don't reinterpret that and make it something else. You will pay for it that your prayers will be hindered. That's what God says. All right. So there's a good bit of encouragement for us men. Um, you know, if you diminish her to anything less than your equal, your prayers will be hindered. The next point here, and I'm kind of bouncing along a little bit, uh, and, and it says here, man, God has given you broad shoulders and a deep voice. All right? Broad shoulders and a deep voice, amongst other things. Be comfortable with that. And there's something about a deep voice uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of comfort into a situation, in terms of stability, uh, and uh, in, in, in terms of leadership, uh, it is, uh, you know, a deep voice is, is, is a God-given thing. Uh, and so, men, speak like a man. Don't sound like a woman. All right? That's not what God wants. That's what God's given you, a deep voice. And he's given you broad shoulders. Uh, and uh, there's a whole lot of things to be said about that. Uh, um, you know, real, real men learn to be comfortable with their God-assigned features and with their role. And, and they learn to be comfortable inside of that. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, real manhood, uh, it's many times misunderstood. And we've got it in your outline. But, you know, real manhood is not about being macho. 
Okay, though there is a maleness uh, to men. It's not about being macho, but at the same time, men are not supposed to be sissies either. Okay, so let me just uh, let me just sort of uh, kind of uh, broaden this thing out so that we understand what uh, God is uh, speaking to us about. A real man is a strong man with his strength under control. You know, I got to think about uh, when women struggle. They will find another woman to talk to, just like that. And they will, they will just, just as quick, they will, they will talk to somebody, and they will, if they're struggling, if they're suffering in an area, boy, I tell you, the women get together, and they talk, and they share each other's burdens and struggles and so forth, and you know, that's a good thing, um, up to a point. Uh, that's a good thing. But you know, but when a man struggles, typically he will struggle by himself. He will just box on and struggle by himself. And that's, there is a feature there that is commendable, and yet it is a good thing for a man to find somebody that he can communicate with because we talk about suicide in our nation amongst males is just a disaster uh, and, uh, and, and so forth. And sometimes it's because of all the pressures that men are coming under uh, and all the attacks that come against them is in their manhood that they're starting to get confused and so forth. And then tragically, uh, you know, some of them feel that the only way out is to take their life. That's just an absolute tragedy. Um, so a real man is a strong man but he's got his strength under control. He can bring it out if he needs to, uh, but he will have his strength under control. <laughs> it's, it's, a real man is like a horse, which has got incredible strength, but that horse has got a bit in its mouth, and the man himself has got control on himself uh, to rein in his strength and to know when to bring it out and to what extent and so forth. And other than that, uh, just to be the man of strength and of uh, stability. He only uses his strength to provide for and to serve his family and, if necessary, defend them from external threats and enemies. Um, that's why I said earlier on that in my world... Um, I would only send men out uh, into the battle um, and, uh, and so forth because that is a God-given feature. Um, we talked about, in fact, we could bounce around a bit. We talked about men uh, that they're one of their, amongst other qualities, is strength and, uh, and stability. We could talk about another strength of men, which is his logic. Um, and a man's logic uh, is a strength. Um, but a man's logic also needs to be tempered uh, with a woman's intuition. You know, men tend to think out of their head. And women tend to think out of their heart. And, uh, <laughs> and that's why you get like some of the things that Vanessa and I sometimes struggling with. Uh, I wanted practical and she wants it pretty. And practical and pretty need to meet. If it's only practical, then you only got logic and you got no heart in the matter. And if it's only pretty, I sometimes say, look, that's not even logical. You know, like a woman will make a comment and say, that's not even logical. Well, no, it's not. Logic is not always, mostly not, a woman's strength. <laughs> okay. Now, that's why God brings male and female together 
we talk about a society that's either a paternal or a maternal society. Paternal being only man-led, or maternal meaning only woman-led. But paternity and maternity need to meet in the middle to provide an environment the children growing up, the children, the boys can aim in the direction of the father of who they want to become, and the girls can aim in the direction of the mother, uh, so that you got that modeling going on. So yeah, so pretty and practical. Uh, when we still used to have a dog, uh, we go down together occasionally and walk the dog together, and I go to the first spot that's practical to me, and Vanessa says, I don't want to be here, it's not pretty. I said, well, nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, it's all fine. No, I don't want to be here. Let's go to the part that's pretty. So what do we do? We drive from the, from the beach down in Petone towards the motorway, which is ugly, uh, but it, it suited me. We drive up to the pretty part. And, and so, <laughs> as I say, we try to work this thing out. Uh, anyway, uh, some of you are more excited about my preaching than others. So let me, <laughs> let me talk about First Kings chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong and act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and his commands, his laws and his regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. Here is King David the father of Solomon. King David is lying on his deathbed. He's about to go. He calls his son uh, to whom he was going to hand the throne after his death. And he says, son, he says, uh, be strong. He says, act like a man. Um, and uh, he says, observe what the Lord your God requires. Uh, now, let me just comment on that. You know, Solomon started out good, but he was a disaster of a man that felt the need to have 600 wives and 400 concubines. All right, what a disaster. That's not acting like a man. That's acting like some stag <laughs> that uh, is herding a, a bunch of hinds around in the forest. You know, it's like it's a disaster. Okay? That's why the Bible also speaks about one man and one woman for life as much as possible. This is not a dig at those where, you know, where things haven't quite worked out. You know, our hearts are with you. But I say we, we must not be afraid to hold up the ideal. Um, and uh, for fear of upsetting others, we still have to hold up the ideal. If we can no longer hold up the ideal, then uh, things will go pear-shaped and they will go sideways. Uh, so act like a man. Well, he started out like a man meaning be courageous, be strong. Uh, and then he says, observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and his commands, his laws and his regulations. Um, and uh, do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. Now, there's a message right there for all of us. Uh, if we do what God says, we will prosper uh, in all things and we will prosper wherever we go. Um, so in other words, uh, Solomon, uh, David was saying, you will only be in authority to the extent that you're under authority. Uh, and there's something about that uh, where men, with their God-given 
you know, uh, 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 leadership uh, capacity, they can only exercise their God-given authority properly when they are under God's authority. Um, and my God, we could speak about world leaders, we could speak about dictators and people that are just a law unto themselves. It's just a disaster. God had never planned that for Israel, um, and God had always had a different model of leadership in mind. You know, when Jesus came to the centurion in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 9, and the centurion uh, said, look, he says, i got a servant at home that's dying. Would you please come to my house and pray for him? Uh, or would you please pray for my... No, that's hard. Right? Would you please pray for my, for my servant? Uh, and Jesus says, I will come and, and pray for him. And, and the centurion said, look, he says, you don't need to come to my house. He says, uh, you just need to speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. And then the, the centurion said to Jesus, I also am a man under authority. And that's very powerful. The centurion, who was a Roman soldier in charge of a hundred soldiers, was in authority over the soldiers, but he was under authority to Caesar and to his generals and to the people above him in the whole chain of command. And he says, I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And then he says, I, go to, I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to that one, come, and he comes. But, but the understanding is when my general says, go, I go. And when my general says, come, I come. And so here is a man. He's not the, end, he's not the last link in the chain. He's just one of the links in the whole chain of command that God has set up across society uh, and across, you know, in the family and so forth. Uh, and I think that's a very, very powerful uh, example for us to understand. A man's inert propensities to lead must be tempered with him also being in under authority. Um, he must be led himself so he can lead properly. If a man is not under authority or under any authority above him, he's liable to use his leadership, leadership strength to suit himself and to descend into dominance. All right, you got very quiet on me now. My brother went to heaven some years ago, one of my brothers. He uh, was on the farm, and there was some sort of bus business aspect to it, uh, and, and so forth. And one day, he... he, he he comes home, and this brand-new, great big tractor is in, you know, a tractor for farms. Way too big for what the farm was, but he just decided on the whim to go out and buy a tractor. And, and his wife, who is my sister-in-law, she says, he, he never said a word. He just came home with this thing. You know, that's a man who is a law unto himself. He's not under authority. Okay, so that's just a, an example. We might say it's harmless enough, but as I say, uh, as I say, that's that's not team leadership. All right, is everybody right this morning? Some of you are just all. <laughs> Let me f uh, finish with a couple of thoughts, uh, and uh, and this is a big one because I said everything that I've said to get to this point. Uh, and, uh, and the, the caption here, the heading in your outline is, Men, fight for your families. Don't fight in your family, fight for your families. Nehemiah chapter 4, 
describes the situation where Nehemiah, the governor of Jerusalem, appointed by the foreign king that he had served, had come down to uh, Jerusalem, which was lying in ruins. The city was in a mess. Uh, the people were not safe and secure because the walls had been broken down. The gates had been burned or taken away completely. It was just a disaster. And Nehemiah found out about it uh, as he was serving at the king's court up in Babylon, and he was really grieved by it. And uh, long story short, uh, he talked to the king up there, and the king says, all right, you go, and you go down there, and I'll give you some support. You can take wood from the king's forest, and we'll give you some money and everything, and fix the thing up. So Nehemiah comes down. Uh, the first thing he does, he has a good inspection. He, he rides around at nighttime to have a good look, to assess the situation. And friends, sometimes it's good to sort of ride around the walls of our family, Say, how are we doing as a family? Where are the broken walls? Where, where is the entry points for the enemy to come in? You know, there could be, there could be all sorts of things. There could be like a, a drain of money going out that shouldn't go out. There could be, you know, the internet coming in. It could be that. It could be television. It could be wrong stuff. It could be multiple things. So riding around the walls of our families and assessing what's going on. And because some of us, we are doing that, uh, hopefully with the best of our God-given discernment to identify. But some of us, we're riding around the walls of our nation. We're saying, where is the broken down walls in our nation? We're riding around the walls of our society. Where is the breakdown here? And how can we rebuild the walls? How can we rebuild the city? How can we rebuild the foundation of the temple? The temple, which in the Old Testament was the temple to house the presence of God. The temple in the New Testament, in a society which is the Judeo-Christian values that have kept us in good stead for hundreds of years and built Western societies uh, into democracies. And look at it today. All right, so we're riding around the wall, and Nehemiah checks the whole thing out. He takes note of what's going on, and then he starts to rally the troops. He says, he says look, he says, let's rebuild the walls, and uh, starting to motivate the people. Uh, and then when all of that was going on, they had enemies uh, 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 coming in from the outside. They had a, a chap by the name of Sambalat and Tobiah and, and uh, Gershom, if I'm pronouncing his, his name correctly. He was an Arab. The other guy was a Horonite or whatever all of these ites were and everything. And they were coming in and they tried to hinder and stall the building uh, progress. And so there was threats without or from without, there was also threats within. Threats within was, oh, let's just leave it. It's too hard. You know, we'll do the best we can. We'll just manage, you know, and everything. So you get threats from without and you get threats from within. And here in verse 14, after I looked things over, he says, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives, and for your homes. All right, there's something very powerful going on here. Um, Nehemiah is speaking to the blokes uh, among them, he says, come on, guys. He says, we will not only build, but we will fight. And there's a whole story there that, uh, in fact, that's sort of something that's stirring towards the ICFM conference there for us to learn to build with one hand and to hold a sword with the other hand. It's like we're building and we're fighting. Building and fighting. Building and fighting. 
Um, and there's a dual role that God has given to us. But man, you're a builder, but you're also a warrior. And God calls on us today to rise up. And this is, I understand the complexities and the challenges of a man. I'm a man myself. I know what that looks like, man, when you're just... You know, you've got so many things going on, so many demands placed on you, and how would you get time to start fighting now for one thing or other? And uh, so anyway, Nehemiah assessed the external threat to the uh, Israelites in Jerusalem. He exhorted the man to fight. And uh, friends, uh, there is no doubt about it. Having examined the wars of our society and of our nation, there is now need to fight all over again. Democracy as we have known it, is about to slip away. And a form of dictatorship uh, is uh, trying to be imposed on us that has never existed before. With the technology being what it is today, it is, a different, it is a different beast. It's the same devil, but it's a different beast in the sense that uh, people hardly recognize it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the threat to our nation and to our society isn't a physical threat with physical army or armies at the borders. The threat is isms and ideologies that are designed to break down the stability of the family and to steal the children away from right under us. Okay, so uh, I don't mean to be dramatic, but men, we need you on the fighting force. We need to push back as hard with all the might that we have. I'm finding myself pushing back here, pushing back there, and I'm trying with the little understanding that I have about having assessed the wall and having read and having watched and looked and to kind of try to inform as many people as what I can because uh, the greater portion of the nation is awake. This thing is creeping in so subtly uh, that if you're not looking up for it, it's coming in so subtly that a lot of people don't realize it's happening. And most people are just busy, you know, many men are just busy putting food on the table and trying to meet the demands that's placed on them by their employer, by their families, and, and so forth. And yet uh, there is a real threat that is going on today. We call them the isms. Uh, um, touched on some of those last week. I don't want to repeat all of that, but there's ideologies going on that is an ex existential threat against a, a Judeo-Christian society uh, and uh, a threat against Christianity, uh, a threat against, uh, you know, moms and dads and children uh, uh, that is going on. It is just uh, at a level that, uh, that uh, is, it's just nothing short of, you know, just very, very, very concerning. So men... Um, I call on you, if you haven't already woken up to what I'm saying, uh, wake up. All right? Let, let's let's uh, inform ourselves. Let's do our due diligence. If you don't know who the enemy is, you don't know how to fight him. All right? And, uh, we, <laughs> you know, we now got evil people, evil men and evil women at the helm in our nation that are rule and a law unto themselves. They're no longer submitting to the people who have elected them, they're now serving globalists and uh, an agenda that is not good for the nation, that is not good for the people. So I'll just touch on that uh, just to, to kind of, uh, you know, help to point you in that direction. But that's only one of the things that are going on right now. So men, uh, let's uh, get into the fray. Uh, 
you know, many women that are already fighting, but let the men rise um, and uh, take some concerted effort to push back um, and uh, to be all that God has called us to be. Let me close with a word of prayer. Um, I'm praying for all, uh, the whole family, but I'm specifically this morning wanting to pray for men. Um, I still believe that, uh, and I've been talking about that for some years, that one of our biggest assets now in our lives in terms of uh, uh, who we are as, as, as believers, uh, besides our faith in Jesus Christ, one of our biggest, biggest assets is, is our discernment, that we can discern the signs of the time and that we have the right information so we can make good decisions. Uh, and uh, so with that, let me pray for the man. Uh, let me pray that uh, God by His Spirit will fortify you. We all need to be fortified. Whatever strength that I have today will not be enough for tomorrow's battle. I need to be constantly strengthened, uh, constantly undergirded by the Spirit of God, and we undergird and we encourage each other. Uh, we've got a battle ahead, um, and, uh, and in order for us to win that battle, let's do it. If some men say, look, I just can't be bothered. Well, if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your wife. Serve your wife, serve your children, serve the next generation. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.